I woke up this morning, and it's podcast morning. I was looking at the title of the podcast, and because I prepare these things ahead of time, right? There's a degree of preparation. I know what I'm going to be talking about. And it's about how to never be wrong about anything. And I thought, you know, it's really easy to read that and get the wrong impression. And that's fine. But it also occurred to me that here I am. I'm now up and out of bed for 30 minutes. Have I made any mistakes yet? I thought about it. And the answer is yes. I've made lots of them already. I'm not even awake an hour. And I'm already the perfect example of imperfection. When I was putting on my shirt, for example, I misjudged the tag. I put it on backwards. I didn't even realize it. And then after that, I was making coffee and I mismeasured the grinding of the beans. I ground too many. I turned the water on for the reverse osmosis spigot and I overfilled the pitcher. I had to dump some out. <laughs> I'm already a ton of mistakes. I'm only up 15 minutes. Then I made my coffee. I put almond milk in it and I put the container back in the refrigerator. And then I came back to get the coffee. I wanted it lighter. I had to go back and get more almond milk and get a splash more to it. I'm not even an hour into my day and already I've made a ton of mistakes. Life is full of that. Life is that way, full of adjustment, full of recalibration, progress and regress, progress and regress. We're constantly adjusting and we don't stop because of it. We just, we keep going, you know, like, uh, like Walt Disney, his motto was keep going forward, you know, opening up new doors and doing new things. And that's the way life is. But the title of this podcast, therefore, is still true even though it's not possible, right? Well, let me word it a little differently. Same thing. What if everything you ever did was free from error? I'm telling you that is possible. The kind of error I mean anyway. And I don't mean that you're never going to make a wrong turn driving your car or put the wrong amount of almond milk in your coffee or uh, mess up a recipe when cooking or misinterpret someone's intentions. Say something untrue by mistake. I don't mean lying, but accidentally saying something that's true. Of course not. What I'm saying is that our mistakes all come to a good end. They can contribute toward ultimately toward positive outcomes. And that depends on our state of mind, on our attitude at that time. That attitude that I'm talking about is... It's not that hard to find. It's extremely, in fact, it's so easy, you wouldn't believe it. It is so close already. It's so accessible. Now, this is dangerous territory. Not so much for me, but for you, some of you anyway, because you could misinterpret what I mean by that. I'm not talking about willpower. I'm not talking about wishing happy outcomes and then having them come true, you know, manifesting happiness and manifesting abundance. I'm talking about something else. That's, that stuff is wicked. You know, new age, new thought, the power of positive thinking. Now, you can have positive thinking, of course. I'm a positive thinker. I'm always positive. But it depends on how you arrive at it. That's the difference. How the positive gets into you to displace the negative. If it's by will, you're screwed. 
And then even if you get rich or if you find love or your sickness gets better, whatever it is, it will be the wrong way still. So I'm not talking about using willpower. I'm talking about living by faith. That's the attitude I mean. That's what makes the big difference. Positive attitude is different than ambitious, willful thinking, even when projecting positive outcomes, because those are still your outcomes and not necessarily your creators. You become the creator. You become the God. <laughs> they could be the same outcomes by chance, and then you'll credit yourself, but it isn't your universe. And in your own mind, you become the creator. Now, I'm going to be a little preachy here. Forgive me. I'm not a preacher. But I want to mention a little scripture passage here, if I may. This is from um, the New International Version. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you love God, <laughs> good things will happen in all things. If we can just live moment to moment without the clamor inside of our heads, dragging us willfully into situations, becoming what we think is our will, trying to wrest outcomes out of the universe, out of people, out of ourselves. Have you ever seen, um, you see this on in social media a lot. You see people, they have... T-shirts and hats, things made up, okay? They're, they're going to, they declare, F cancer. I hate this disease. Right? They're going to kick cancer's ass. <laughs> they make it on hats and they make memes and stuff. Well, if that's true, and it may not really be true, so please don't get upset with me if you know someone like this or if you're like this. But if that's true, if they are really all that riled up about having cancer and are warring against it that way, or any ailment, they're as good as dead. And they will be too soon. Because emotions like that are the cause of our sicknesses. They're the cause of our diseases, our mental maladies. You cannot will, like a god, outcomes into existence and survive. You can draw upon energies like that. I won't get into that today. There are Two wills, you know. One is light, one is dark. One is un unspeakably evil. There is only one will, and that's the one that we're meant to live by, and it's not yours. You haven't got one. And I know that will offend some people, but it is true. It is one thing to say that we hope for God's will to prevail, but you can't do God's will, per se. We don't even know what his will is. We can have his will come through us, and his will for us arrive spontaneously through us in the moment that we wake up. Right then, right in that second, right in that millisecond, that millisecond of a millisecond of a millisecond that gets so small till finally the milliseconds are gone, and it's now. And right then is when we become what I call, what a lot of people call, God conscious. Or if you like, how about this, mindfully aware. I don't like that term so much anymore because so many charlatans run around with it, but it's a true idea. It's a true idea, but whatever term you prefer, and they all mean the same thing. When we're awake, when we're aware, when we're conscious, what religions 
might call it some religions. I I like I use a lot of Catholic terminology only because I like it. Even if most of them don't even know what it means. <laughs> but you can also call it a state of grace. And if you're there, you cannot make a mistake. It is impossible to make a mistake because the nature of any outcome is the same. The nature of it, not the outcome, but a force for good behind all outcomes. And as each moment arrives over the event horizon, like coming out, like coming out of the future, which doesn't exist, like the DeLorean, right? In the movie, I did an email last week or the week before about the DeLorean and uh, I used the, Del the uh, Back to the Future DeLorean as, a t as, a, as an example. It's like the DeLorean in the movie. It appears out of nowhere to exist in the present. Well, in a movie, it's coming out of the future, but for us, it's coming out of non-existence. It comes as a new creation because there is no future. And in the present, nothing can be wrong. So let's say, let's say, you, let's say you're in your DeLorean and you make a left turn instead of a right turn. Now you get lost. It seems like an error. It seems like a mistake. But it is only in that you use your will. That has gone astray for you. In God's universe, you never know where your new direction will lead you. It winds up correct. You could be on the wrong road to get to your own wedding on time or to an important job interview. But maybe you avoid a deadly accident. Or maybe you don't get the job and your whole life goes differently. You cannot measure it. You cannot keep a scorecard on God, on his will, on thy will, not my will, which is done on earth as it is in heaven. Because my will is self-will and self cannot be trusted ever. It doesn't know how to run the universe, even though it thinks it does. But once conscious... We're no longer controlled by self, and its will, self-will, loses control. And then everything we touch, everything we come in contact with, relationships, finances, everything, everything in life, all comes under a new system of discipline that's way more superior to anything that we could conjure up for ourselves. So this is great, right? This sounds, in theory, it sounds wonderful. Wonderful, Dan. So, but how do I do that? Well. I just said, it's, it's right here. It's so simple. It's so easy. It's so accessible that you forget to do it. You step back. You just watch. And you step back until the temptation to interfere passes without injecting ambitious will into it, into anything. And if you do that, what unfolds in life becomes exactly as God has planned for us, then nothing can go wrong. And even what at the time may seem like a mistake, the left turn instead of the right turn, ends up being right anyway. I got to the church on time when I got married. That was the best mistake I ever made. <laughs> because I get stronger. I have a beautiful family. I have a beautiful wife. I have a success, my children are successful. I have a successful family. I'm successful. And if I hadn't gotten married that day and made that mistake, this never would have happened. I don't know what would, something else would have happened. But it's not important because this is what it is now. But give, give in to the temptation to interfere with willfulness or with ambition 
and then we become subject to mere chance. Life becomes just a faithless drudgery wrought with fear, very poor odds of success or for having any peace. I mean, you'll get some, but it's a 50-50 life. Not very good odds. It's, it's faithlessness. It's drudgery. Trying to fix people, trying to fix things, trying to make all the clocks correct, trying to make all the trains run on time. There is only one thing to do perfectly. You have to be perfect about it. And that is to deal with imperfections perfectly in each moment. In each moment we become perfect, then we love, we don't hate. And the more moments that we have like that, the more peace we will discover. Perfect peace. It's not injected positive thinking, but we think positively. It's spontaneous. It's genuine. It's not out of a book. It's not out of an affirmation. It's not out of hypnotic suggestion. That's artificial. That's all phony. That's trying to control things, mumbling under your breath, telling God what you think he ought to do to make the world happy, to make you happy, to make others happy. That's a quest for power. So I'm going on long enough, I think, about about that. I'll start talking about the, the power of positive thinking before I know it. So, Dan, do you think uh, you're pretty positive about most things most of the time, I think? I think. You think I'm, you think I'm positive? A lot of the time, yeah. A lot of the time. Sometimes you're negative, but those are usually times when, when, when I'm talking about when you're tempted to be negative. In last week's email, I mentioned that Dr. Brown in the DeLorean right. says, the future is what you make it, or however he says it. Yes. Is that a pretty good impersonation? It's not bad. And I, I wouldn't keep going. I think you'll mess up. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and is the future what you make it? Is that true? Interesting concept. Is the future what you make it? No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> there is no future. <laughs> You can only sit back and enjoy the ride, really. Right. To to use a stupid expression. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's what happened. That's what happened with that. Uh, it, if any listeners uh, aren't on our email list, you would know what we're talking about if you got our last week's email. Um, so, Dan, I used that scriptural passage. We talk about positive thinking and making things happen. Okay. And, and success and failure and all of that. And that biblical, that scriptural uh the scripture quote, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Yes. What do you think about that? I think that, uh, well, the first thing I noticed is that you used the new international version, which is riddled with errors and uh, what seem like deliberate misconstruals of, of scripture to make different meanings out of things that, yeah. that were never meant to be there. But which one should I have used? Um, you know what i i think my bible upstairs is revised standard edition right which seems okay the yes. ca catholic version the or catholic something version. like that i like that version. revised standard edition catholic version i think okay um but i don't have a hard set opinion i just know i just know that new international version i've read quotes where i've been like that sounds weird go and check what it's meant for thousands of years mm -hmm. and they changed they changed a word or a phrase no that's and not good. completely changed like i think they've they changed man to be one they oh let's not gender that stuff like that um that, that really you can't if, if if you're taking 
the word man in the Bible and changing it to man and woman. You you can't no, trust you anything can't. anymore. No, no, no. That's, is that, is that what they do? Is that what that version something does? Something like that. I saw one that was really egregious that changed man to be one. It was something like that. And right. It, it just totally ruined and changed the entire meaning. Uh completely ridiculous well i think this i think that this quote was safe though I, I that seems okay it was something that just popped up when i when i googled it yeah 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 you know so i so, looked at so it and read i recognized it, again. it okay and we know that in all things all things god works for the good of those who love him right who have been called according to his purpose and that's kind that kind of encapsulates Okay. My, my entire monologue today. Well, basically, the idea is if you are receptive to God's will, how, however you might do that, which you talked about toward the end, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to worry about anything. Not really. He'll take care of you. Right. You kind of just say, okay, what do you got in store? And it turns out being okay. Turns out being right? okay. And people don't, but how do you get receptive? What do you mean you're receptive? Because his will is going to happen anyway. Yeah. Okay. So- you can work against his will. Right. Right. You could do the, you could do the devil's will, can't you? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Of course, we see it all the time. Well, you really don't know what that is either, do you? Um, what do well, you tell the devil? Hey, I'm receptive to your will today. People do that. Yeah, they do. They're, right? They're, 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 called, they're called Satanists. Yeah. And rock stars. Okay. <laughs> no, wait a minute. But- yeah, you, be re you become receptive, but how do you become receptive? How do you become a receptor? How do you become a transmitter of God's will instead of okay. the other guy's will? Or your, what you think of as your will that comes through your intellect. How do you set yourself up? Can you deliberately set yourself up for that? I say yes. I say that's the proper use of will is to align, is to let go of will and to let God's will come in. And that's, that's where the meditation comes in, by the way. And that's what we do. That's what we practice. Right. Meditating. And- once you begin practicing that, it becomes it starts to creep into your life, and you just, it starts to become a way of life where you're stepping back and watching, and not getting upset by things, not letting the pressures of the world run you. But most meditations don't do that. Most meditations are, not are willful. I'm not talking about most meditations, right? Talking most about meditations do the exact opposite of that. They take your own will, and you use your own will to become try and become happy. Bliss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Relaxation. Right. And even the ones that are saying, empty your mind and- Well, that's one And, one and stuff like that. Yeah. That's- uh, Very, very dangerous. You listen, if you've ever listened to one of those, and I have listened, it never, I've never used, actively practiced it, but uh, I've listened to see like, what, what are they saying? Yeah. And it's, it's a very willful practice. It's saying that I'm going to take my thoughts and I'm dumping them out and I'm going to take these emotions and I'm getting rid of them. And it's a very- it's very willful thing. It's it's basically playing God. It's what it is. What it does is if you if you void your mind of thoughts, if you successfully not separate from your thoughts, but if you successfully blank out your mind and create a void, something will come in and give you new thoughts. Right. Those will be totally new. And that's what the purpose of a lot of these things do. They come in and they give you their thoughts. And those thoughts are always against God. And you mentioned not liking the word mindful anymore. Yeah, not um, really. Only because it's become these, commercialized. Well, these types of practices have, have picked up that term. So right. mindful, unfortunately, mindful means means to, to do that kind of thing now. To be- It's I, mindful, but, but what is your mind full of? Right. 
That's the thing. It's full of their philosophies, and their philosophies are basically um, non-duality. Non, Non-dualistic, non whatever. Non, yeah, non-dualistic. Non yeah. Well, they're non-Christian is what they are. <laughs> they're non-Christian, yeah, of course. Um, they're pagan. We are God. A lot we, of we're all part God. So what, what you were saying reminded me of the only time in my life, of, of recent, I guess, that I got really willful without mm -hmm. even knowing it. When I was a sophomore in college, I I went to Princeton and I became unknowingly extremely ambitious and or I started to become extremely ambitious and willful about my schoolwork, about I wanted an internship, I wanted, you know, I knew my grades were important, I'm thinking about law school, got to get high grades, got to get good GPA, I, even extracurriculars. It's like, oh man, what do I have on my resume? And I started to convert into a Princeton student. Yeah, yeah. You start manipulating your, your, your... Right. Yeah. And how that happens, how they do it anyway, is they give you... All of a sudden, you become fearful about your future. That's encouraged there, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I mean, it's in, not... It, they don't say, hey, let's all be willful. But yes, they, they give you... A, they instill a lot of fear in terms of not knowing what your grade's going to be at the end and... You just see all these people getting internships and you want an internship too and people are doing successful things and they're telling you about it because they're prideful and you become fearful or I at least became fearful of my own future. And once that happened, that anxiety caused me to try to will into existence what I wanted my future to be, to avoid these these average outcomes that that I saw other people getting while while some of my friends and, and other people I knew became in Princeton terms successful right in in pr what, what you would consider successful so that all started to happen to me and it it almost completely where was I was well you, you knew this was happening yeah, yeah yeah and it almost completely destroyed me not in a literal sense but in an in an academic sense even in a uh, health sense. I had a I had a chronic headache. I had a, I, all of a sudden I had a headache every that. day that wouldn't go away. Yeah, I remember that. And it all of a sudden it made it impossible to concentrate on schoolwork. Right. I could I couldn't do schoolwork. I couldn't do any of the you know clubs or activities I I wanted to be involved in. It was like it was almost debilitating. And it they it, instill fear in you. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Now, it wasn't even a migraine. I feel like when people describe migraines, they're even worse. But it was just a constant, dull to moderate headache that made it impossible to put the level of attention needed to do well, even though that's exactly what I was trying to do. And I got that because I was trying too hard to do well. Do, does, was your, from your experience, were they trying to make you willful? Were they trying to like instill their will or were they, or they were, were they trying to play up your will or to align your will with their will or to just encourage your will? That all sounds very scientific. I have no idea. <laughs> all I know yeah. is that I became willful and it was because of the pressures around me. And I I basically left Princeton that year. Right. You know, at the end of the school year. I completed the year. Yeah. I left Princeton that year um, feeling absolutely defeated. I was just like, oh God, I'm so happy to be out of there. It's like, I'm so happy to be home. For the summer it felt like leaving hell literally it felt like leaving hell and nothing that i wanted to happen happened i, I tried pdfing a class which is their 
terminology for when you when you opt for pass fail, you don't get a grade. Right. Because uh, I figured, okay, I can take five classes and I'll PDF this one, and that way I won't have to try in that class. If I get like a you know a C or a B, that's fine. Uh, and that way I can put more effort into these classes. I ended up. This was all my plan, right? And I ended up dropping a class that I knew I could do better in and and was an accidentally messed up and I ended which I had to make up later and I did just fine later and I ended up um hating the PDF class that I took and and being constantly fearful that I would get the D because if you if you go down to D you get a D on your transcript and mm -hmm. that that's a career finisher but I came home defeated and I took a year, right? Because I ended up taking a year off next year, and we worked together. We worked, we worked for the business, right? Together, and I ended up during that year being able to forgive Princeton and uh, realize that I had become so willful over things. And you really don't have to worry about anything. You just, when you trust God, everything just happens the way it's supposed to. That's right. And then the year going back, my junior year, I had my most successful year ever. It was great, and I put in about zero amount of my own not not effort as in manpower but effort spiritual willful effort zero zero percent and i had my best year ever right you know it's funny because if if you had conform you, you did not conform right that's the thing that's where your conflict came from right so i had tension so i had the tension conflict and it's and that's 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 where the headaches were coming from at that time right Right? right, I could have gone all out. I could have went full Princeton oh, con you could, convert, absolutely, and probably gotten great grades and everything. Probably, probably been on absolutely. you know a couple five hour energies a day, and <laughs> and uh, get completely wasted on Thursdays and Fridays like yeah. they do. That's okay. how it works there. You work you you work extremely hard Monday through Thursday, right, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you just get absolutely wasted, and then you. You just go back to nonstop work for the rest of the week. Right, right. So it's it's really not oh, a what a life. Yeah, not a healthy uh, way to live. <laughs> Reminds me of how you said uh, Wall Street brokers. Are, That's how we were. Yeah, you know? back then. Yeah, yes. A lot of the firms were were like that. So <laughs> anyway, the point is that you can't you can't be willful. No, you can't be. It doesn't willful. work. If you if you're already a pretty faithful person who who isn't willful mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you have somebody pressuring you to be willful you end up in complete conflict with what you know is right and you just you're it's paralysis yeah so that's yeah. what happened to me that's what happened to you, you got paralyzed yeah that's, yeah that's what i think but i recovered and i know for a fact i'm stronger now than i was before so yeah and you still got good grades i don't mean stronger willfully i mean i'm i'm more resilient to that type of thing he graduated with honors, by the way. I well, yes, I did. <laughs> I'll brag. <So. laughs> I'll brag for you. <laughs> yeah. One of the techniques they use, which everybody loves at Princeton, everybody praises this. It's so they have everybody so tricked, is that they curve all the classes. Oh my all god! All your classes are curved. We, we that drove us nuts. So what that means is, if you get a good grade in Princeton, right? Not all classes, but but most classes. If you get a good grade, let's say if you get an A, it means you did better than most of your classmates. It does not necessarily mean that you got you got a a good raw score on your tests or that you got good raw scores on your uh, homework assignments or at Princeton they're called P sets, problem sets. 
it means that you did better than everyone else. So if everyone was uh, performing poorly, right, you could get a good grade depending on where you fit in the poor pool. Right. Wow. Or if everybody is doing great, it makes it very hard to get a good grade. A good grade. And sure. you're already in a class with essentially the smartest kids in America. Right. Or in the world, really, because it's an international right. um, institution. Sure. So you're always competing with everybody else. And not all classes are that way. Most of them are that way. It's called the curve. Oh, we wait for the curve. We wait for the curve. You never know the grade you're going to get until you finally open up your tiger hub at the, at the end of this semester and see what you got. And you go, oh, thank God I was doing better than everybody else. That's, that's what you think because that's how it works. And so you're in a constant state of fear. Um, you'll be given tests where you, you know that you got half of it wrong. So yeah. that was the hardest test I've ever I taken in my that. life. I remember that. And and the professor were, I, will tell you, he said, listen, this is a hard test. Some of you might not finish by the end, uh, but that's okay. And and you just come away with this- Dejected. This, you feel terrible. Yeah, this terrible gut after studying for like, you know, six hours, seven yeah. hours. You come away with this terrible gut feeling that like, I completely flunked that test. Right. And you're like, I studied so hard, I still couldn't answer all the questions. Right. And then you check your, uh, you check online- you know, a month later, yeah. that's a final, right? Yeah. And you check online a month later and you got an A, you got an A minus. Right. You're like, holy crap, I did better than everybody else. Right. You didn't do as poor, you did poorly, but not as poor as everyone else. So you got an A. Right. That's crazy. So if you graduate- so Everybody's in a constant state of fear and and, and that's they, they worship they worship the curve at the end. They go, they go, oh, it's okay. The curve will save us. The curve will save us. Everybody's always like, oh, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. Oh my God. It's constant tension and pressure, yeah. and it's meant to control you and turn you into a good little Princetonian. I, I missed in high school where I felt like I, great, I studied for this, because I was, I was a great student in high school. Yeah. I studied for this, I took the test, I felt confident, I feel good about it, then you get a grade back and, and you did pretty good. Yeah. That does not happen at Princeton. You might not even see your test grade. Honestly, you don't even want to see your grades. Your, your your raw scores, I should say. You right. just you just see the final grade because you know end. it's so poor, it's so low. Yeah, they make the yeah. test so impossible a lot of the time. So, uh, and and I am talking about extremes where it's like you know you you half the class gets gets fifty percent right on a test, but that happens a lot. Right. Uh, but there are other cases where it's like yeah, you got you got like seventy five, you got like an eighty percent, but that turns into an A. Right. And you don't know that because you don't know how everybody did. It doesn't so seem So you wait fair. till the end. It allows the professor to essentially mess up the difficulty of a test and then just fix it all at the end. At the end, right. Yes. Yeah, so. Right. Because they tell him how many A's he can have. No, or, they don't. They used to do that. They don't anymore. However, by curving classes, you essentially still have that practice in effect. Right. So uh, that's called grade deflation. It used to be an actual policy. Now it's it's what I think what I would call an implicit policy. Right. Um, well, that's right. They got rid of great deflation that they called it, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it still really happens. So constantly being tempted by that fear gets gets a hold of you. The constant temptation eventually breaks you down and or it can break you down and you become willful. You're like, oh crap, what can I do to make this go away? You work harder and harder and harder and you become more and more willful. And then that's what happened to me and you get these headaches and you end up, at least for me, because I w couldn't become a full convert because it conflicted with what I knew was right in my heart, I just became paralyzed. That was just my own experience. Um, right. I've never been that 
tempted to be that willful. So, right. And it's really dangerous. I think you were tempted to be willful. And I think that's where the pressure of the, that you said you had headaches was coming from. Yeah. See, that's the thing when you're, when you're awake and you're aware and you're conscious, the temptation falls away and it doesn't overwhelm you and you can make right decisions. You can say, you know what? Taking a year off, I'm going to go work with my dad. Right. And then I'll return. That was the right decision. The key is after realizing what had happened. Yeah. And after realizing the simplicity of following God's will, how simple it is to follow right. without knowing it. Without knowing it. I was able to go back and meet that temptation and it just bounced off me. Right. It was like, okay, no, I don't know what I'm going to get. I'm just, I'm just flying along here. And it ended up, everything ended up being okay. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I still had a planner. I still, I still did all the physical things necessary to be successful. Right. But up here in my head and, and of course in my heart, most importantly, I was not willful. You take the will out. And I was able to be successful. That's what happens. When you take the will out, you just go from one moment to the next. You don't even know what the next right thing is until you take it and then it turns out it is. It just works out that way. It's automatic. Yeah. It's totally spontaneous. I speak to people who are like into certain religions and, and praying and willful praying and stuff like that. You know, I pray that God tells me what to do every day. You know, God told me to do this and God told me to do that. And that's not God. That's not God. That's will. That's something. That's a will. It's not your will. It's, it's a will that comes out of your intellect. And... If you're waking up and you're seeing that happen and you're you're at war with that, there can be a lot of, as you say, tension. That's a good word. I like that word, tension. We're going to be using that a lot. Now, you do get intuition about what is the right thing to do. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I and don't know. But it's worthless. It's worthless right. intuition. It is wordless intuition. Yes. That's it for today. This is episode 21. Join us next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.